Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, will the coronavirus situation last for months rather than weeks? Prevention is hard work. It takes time to see results. And we can't count the cases we've prevented or we know it must be done. We've seen the devastating effect of this pandemic on countries who have waited too long or let down their guard too soon. So we must see this through. Will the federal government invoke the Emergencies Act? The Federal Emergencies Act uh, is a significant step that uh, can and should be taken when we've exhausted all other steps at other orders of government and the legislation and regulations available to the federal government do not respond uh, or are insufficient to respond to the situation at hand. And for now, politics is set aside. Everybody is now realizing we have to spend whatever we have to spend uh, to make sure that the country can survive this and, and recover from it. It's Monday, March 23rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. The Prime Minister's message yesterday, and you know, it's interesting, It's it's been a week since you and I last spoke, and uh, a lot changes in one week with this story. Uh, it's it's dramatic, obviously. A lot changes in, in one or two days. So um, here we are now, and, uh, and the Prime Minister alluded to it yesterday, and others have as well. Uh, we're talking about a situation here that could last months. No, We're no longer talking in terms of weeks, but months. And the Prime Minister said yesterday more money will be coming, but you have to wonder uh, just how long this is going to last and how expensive it's going to get for the federal government to be supporting the individuals and businesses and organizations in this country that are suffering because of the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, I think there's, there's uh, a great deal of uncertainty in so many areas, and I think that's, you know, that's part of the uncertainty, Mark. I mean, you're, uh, the, the government's trying to manage this uh, this crisis on so many fronts, whether it's trying to repatriate Canadians who can't get home, whether it's trying to pump out, uh, you know, develop a, a new industrial plan to pump out new, you know, more ventilators because we don't have enough ventilators and may need thousands of them by the time we're, you know, into the throes of this. Uh, the government's trying to keep the economy alive. The government's trying to keep uh, various business sectors alive, trying to keep workers, uh, you know, uh, with some sort of reliable income through all of this so there's just so many touch points that uh, can cause anxiety for canadians and and i, and I think the, you know the, the message that they're getting and it's uh, you know i think the people around the prime minister and the prime minister himself have thought long and hard about this when you're trying to touch all these bases uh, all you can say is we're going to have your back for as long as it takes and uh, that's what it'll be you know we'll have to watch what that actually means but the Prime Minister is sending clear signals that if we've spent $82 billion so far, there might be another $82 billion coming before this is done, and maybe maybe twice that amount. Sounds like whatever is going to be required is going to be spent. And, and where that argument can carry, I, I think, uh, some weight with Canadians is that, okay, that, that's at least reassuring. That, you know, we know governments are saying that uh, we're going to try and at some point get back to what we used to have without giving it all up. So that's reassuring to Canadians. And also, if you look at what's, you know, you're always, in terms of the performance of your economy, you're always comparing yourself to what's happening around the world. Everybody's going to have to spend their way out of this. And that's just 
the way the world is lining up now. So it's not like Canada is this island saying we're going to blow whatever, we're going to blow the bank, uh, whatever we have to do to get Canadians through this, because that's what every other country is saying too. Yeah. Yeah, and that is, uh, if there, I, I, I'm not sure this is the right way to put it, but if there is some uh, some uh, sort of comfort or, or uh, opportunity for reassurance, maybe, it's the fact that everybody's in this together. Uh, it's not isolated to one country, one region, one industry, one group of individuals. So the solutions have to be there on some level uh, because everyone in the world is affected by this. Yeah, I mean, where you start to lose confidence from your people as a government if, if if that's going to happen is you start you know you start making choices that favor some instead of others some of those choices people start to look at those choices as frivolous or as favoring one part of the you know one part of the economy and that's typically what what happens on the day-to-day life of a country mark till a crisis like this hits and when the government is seen to be taking action on behalf of everyone because everyone is touched by the crisis uh, then you don't find people attacking uh, the way you're approaching it. And when you compare what your government's doing to what everybody else's government is doing, and you see them all doing the same thing, um, it does have that feeling of all hands on deck and that we're going to do whatever it takes, not just as a country, but as a global community to try and uh, support our, our, our uh, democracies, our way of life. And that uh, the idea is that, you know, as few Canadians as possible and hopefully you know, none in the big scheme are sort of left out of whatever help there is coming. And I think that's probably reassuring to Canadians when they hear that, yeah. you know, whatever it takes, we're just going to, we'll keep the money flowing. It it has massive implications for down the road, of course. But again, uh, the point I was making was it's not like we're the only country spending and spending and spending to try and uh, deal with this crisis. We'll be on the same footing as all the others. From a practical point of view, Parliament is going to be recalled tomorrow. A very small number of MPs will be there just to pass some legislation around uh, the support package. Um, So this is just a bit of a formality, isn't it? I think so, and I think it'll you know it'll last uh, several hours. I would think. I don't think they're just going to come in and rubber stamp it because, I mean, you can't. You know, I think most most Canadians have been pretty impressed by. Uh, how there hasn't been much politics played with all of this. You know, er- early on, the Conservatives were suggesting that, you know, we're, uh, these are what rainy days are, are like, and, you know, you spent the covered bear, and, but we're beyond that conversation now. I mean, the idea that anybody had any money sitting in, in a cupboard ready to spend our way out of this, I mean, I don't think people see that. I think, you know, everybody is now realizing we have to spend whatever we have to spend. Uh, to make sure that the country can survive this and, and recover from it. So having said that, I don't think, you know, the, the opposition parties will have suggestions. Well, I think you'll hear New Democrats want to talk about the fact that the supports for workers probably uh, don't go far enough and the, the money's not moving quickly enough. You'll probably hear that from Conservatives as well, who will, I think, fairly certain, uh, echo the call of small business, which has said, look, we wanted a 75%, uh, we wanted the federal government to pick up 75% of the wage ticket for companies to keep those employees in the tent, uh, move that money to them quickly. Instead, the government's, you know, uh, picking up 10% of the wage tab, but uh, funneling benefits through employment insurance. And we already saw this week, Mark, uh, that just went by 500,000 applicants uh, in compared to a 27,000 applicants for EI benefits in a normal week. So I think they will make what they think are legitimate arguments, but I don't think you'll see much politicizing of what's happening now. They will want to be doing due diligence over the government's 
spending uh, measures, these emergency spending measures. They want to have their say, but they you won't see any uh, semblance of any trying to anybody trying to be overly critical or trying to block what's happening. Yeah. All right. Uh, there has been talk, though, about whether the federal government should be invoking the Emergency Measures Act. And um, and I know it, to some people it may seem quite simple that this is obviously an emergency, therefore uh, emergency measures ought to be in place. But it's a little more complicated than that from a procedural point of view, from a jurisdictional point of view. The context matters in terms of when you bring this in and when you don't, right? Yeah, it, it does. Uh, the Emergencies Act, it's called, and it's 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 there for exactly that. It's there when when a federal government needs, on you know, in in the interest of the entire nation, needs to move in and take measures that are otherwise being disregarded, ignored, or not implemented, or not taken by other parties that need to take them. In this case, the prime minister keeps deferring to the provinces, you know, saying that uh, they are taking. Uh, the necessary steps as they see them to limit gatherings, uh, declare their own states of emergency or healthcare emergencies in their own provinces and take the measures that go along with that. But I think that pressure is going to ramp up. I think there's going to be a, a time if, uh, unless, you know, people continue, you know, people really start uh, knuckling down and following the recommendations and what are becoming now the orders from their provincial governments, which are enforceable by penalties, financial penalties, even jail time and, and police enforcement, there may come a time, um, and it's a sliding scale, there may come a time when the Prime Minister does need to step up and talk about um, the Emergencies Act being invoked for, for gatherings or being invoked for, uh, uh, you know, uh, for isolation and for, uh, you know, distancing measures and so on. I think that this this conversation is all being fueled by what we've been seeing over the last number of days. Is despite these measures put in place, there's lots of uh, you know evidence on social media of people just flatly ignoring it. And there's been an, at least one arrest in the province of Quebec for someone who was supposed to be you know who's got the virus was supposed to be self isolating was out walking around. So you know when the prime minister says it's an extreme option. It's an extreme option in the context of why you would need to use it while provinces are actually doing right. their jobs and, and moving it. So, but uh, they're not ruling it out, which means that mm. they, to me, which means they've been having conversations with the provinces who may uh, be suggesting, uh, look, we're doing our best here, but it, the message isn't sinking in, and there may be a time when you need to step up and do it too. And that, my sense is that's probably the context of the conversation. Just quickly before we let you go, Peter, uh, Aaron O'Toole has joined others in saying maybe the conservative leadership race should be put on hold, the vote postponed um, uh, in in just a few seconds. Do you think that's something that's going to be considered now very seriously by the conservative party? Well, it, it, you know, I guess uh, it, it's, it's kind of odd when you watch these sort of sort of set apart organizations who manage their own affairs. I mean, we're uh, you know, we've been watching the back and forth about the Olympics moving forward or not. We've been, you know, the conservatives are talking about whether, you know, at, at some point you're going to be on one side of this conversation, Mark. You're either ahead of where this is going or you're going to be caught off guard when it goes where you didn't expect it to go. So it's one of those cases where, okay, you know, maybe we don't put it off. The conservatives at some point or the decision will be made for them or they'll get out ahead of it and say, look, we're, we're going to put this off because there's just too much going on in the world. Uh, that that makes this, you know, our timetable problematic. So, you know, I think when they don't want to make those decisions, uh, you know, they're just buying, they buy time. And at some point, uh, the, the decision will be made for them. If, if this gets worse than it is now, the COVID-19 outbreak, it'll be made for them.
All right, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Mark, always a pleasure. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. You're wondering how long this is going to last. You're wondering about your job and your savings. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At cbc.ca, Tim Ford argues a universal basic income could help to counter the economic damage caused by the coronavirus. Ford writes, There's not yet any hard data on unemployment stemming from the coronavirus, but it's not unreasonable to say there are considerable numbers of people who are not working right now, and more will likely join them. A universal basic income would be at worst a lateral move, and at its best would save people from falling through the social safety net. Fast introduction of a basic income could help Canadian society weather this crisis. No single policy is perfection, but when it comes to crisis situations, speed trumps perfection. In the Globe and Mail, Colin Robertson argues the coronavirus is an ex- In the Globe and Mail, Colin Robertson argues the coronavirus is an existential threat for the G20 project and multilateralism itself. Robertson writes, "The G20 is needed now more than ever." to muster collective action and secure supply chains for food, fuel, water, and direct health care capacity. It is preparing to hold an extraordinary virtual meeting next week, yet it is an open question as to whether or not it will be up to the enormous task ahead. It is unclear if the G20 can defend multilateralism in the face of all of this. The global public needs to see that multilateralism works and that liberal democracies can act decisively while respecting liberty. Humanity will thank them for it. At the conversation, William Anderson and Marta Liardi-Anderson argue trucks must keep moving across the Canada-U.S. border. They write, On an average day, about 30,000 trucks cross the Canada-U.S. border carrying more than a billion dollars in trade. If truck movements were banned, critical supplies of food and medicine would be interrupted and production at some of the largest manufacturing plants in both countries would cease idling thousands of workers. The coronavirus crisis is a time for bold action, but it's also a time to resist taking actions that cause economic harm without protecting public health. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will hold his daily briefing about the coronavirus situation at 11.15 Eastern Time. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March 23rd. Tune into CPAC throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis and to primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.